How are you today? How are you today? How are you today? How are you today? Ding! Hey everyone, we are today's hosts, Grace and Liz. We hope you're doing well today. So, a quick disclaimer before we start we are not professionals, and things discussed on this podcast is based mostly on personal experience and opinions. So today we're going to be discussing grief and dealing with loss and we want this to be a really safe space so please be mindful and aware of your own boundaries. So today we have a super special guest. Um, her name is Brittany Borian and she'll be introducing herself. Awesome. Thanks so much guys for having me. And I really like that intro too about making sure that you check in with your own awareness and boundaries. That's great. Yeah, so my name is Brittany, and I am the Youth and Young Adult Bereavement Coordinator with Crossroads Hospice Society. Um, so for those who are not familiar with the society, we serve the Tri-Cities. Uh, we kind of have three pieces to our organization. We have our 10-bed hospice residents for those that are near end of life. Uh, we have our thrift store, which is a large source of our funding. And then we also have our main office and our grief support services, which is what I'm a part of. So in my role, I support anybody from the ages of 13 to 29 uh, who's experienced the loss of someone. All right. Mm, that's really good description. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so we'll get started with a few questions. So we had a question pretty much for just our general age group. Um, I personally haven't experienced a loss of a super close family member, luckily. Um, so for people from our age group, mostly I guess teens from the ages 13 to 18, um, what kind of situation do you come across the most often? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so usually there's actually like a statistic that one in uh, 14 youth will experience the death of either a parent or a sibling before the age of 18. Um, so I tried to do the quick math and I think that's about 84 youth at your school alone. Um, and chances are, like you said, you yourself have not had a loss and maybe you couldn't even identify any of the 84 people at your school who have, but they're there. Um, so one of the most common situations that I come across with that being said is when there is such a big loss in somebody's life, it feels very isolating. Um, not many people from 13 to 18 have experienced uh, such a large loss. And so when it happens for that first time, like the emotions are so overwhelming. They're so big. Uh, often larger than any of us might have experienced before. Um, with that, they might feel like they don't have as much of a support system as they're used to in their kind of everyday life because now all of a sudden they have this huge thing and their friend group might not know really what to do or how to handle it. Um, and so they're left feeling really alone. Um, teens are often called like the forgotten mourners. When someone in a family unit dies, there's understandably lots of like attention given to maybe the spouse um, or the younger children. 
And that's why teens fall in that middle category. It's like they look like adults. So a lot of adults and other people think, oh, okay, they grieve like an adult. Um, so they look like they're doing okay, which means they're doing fine. And often that's not the case. Um, so it's really common for teens to start like holding their emotions inside, um, not kind of understanding what's going on. Because we do live in a, a death phobic and a grief phobic society. Um, these are two topics that nobody talks about. So what are you supposed to do when that happens? Who are you supposed to talk to? Yeah, like, well, I definitely didn't know the numbers were that high. Mm-hmm. Like 84 students, at, possibly like 84 students or even more at my school. Like, that's really surprising because when we experience grief, like, we don't really show it to others, right? We're kind of scared of the reaction mm-hmm. that we would get from mm-hmm. showing our grief. But then with the fact that, like, there could be so many people just around me that are feeling grief or have experienced loss but cannot, like, sure. I don't know, show their feelings mm-hmm. is really, like, surprising. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely didn't expect the numbers to be this high. Wow, that's just really eye-opening. Mm-hmm. And we definitely, like I said, when we live in a society that doesn't talk about it, we might hear, oh, okay, someone lost somebody. And in the, in the general world, if they're working or whatnot, people get like your bereavement leave, right? So people get three days or five days. And they're expected then to be back at work. Or as students, if you guys were to lose someone, you're expected like, okay, well, in a certain amount of time, you're back at school. But now you're grieving, and you're in the student role. Now you're grieving and you need to try to keep up your grades. Now you're grieving and you're trying to navigate that with friends. Um, so it's this whole uh, new world and this massive life change and people don't get to talk about it. Wow. Um, when you've been dealing with sort of uh, this sort of age group with teenagers, uh, how have you found sort of their response from like the school? How have sort of the institutes that they go to for example you talked about how they have to go back to school Mm -hmm. um have there been any like accommodations made or do schools sort of just avoid the topic or do students even avoid mentioning that they're going through this Mm -hmm. that's a great question maybe a bit of both to everything you just said (laughs) so there are definitely um, some youth that I support who have not told the school um, who's maybe the counselors or teachers don't know that they've had a loss whether that's their choice or their family's choice or whatnot um, is kind of remains up to them Um, but more often than not, like schools are aware when there has been a loss, especially of like a huge loss, like a parent or a sibling. Um, depending on the comfort level of the adults in that youth's life, that's really kind of the key. Um, there are some adults that are super uh, supportive and willing to have those conversations the minute that that student comes back to school. Um, But unfortunately, there are also adults who are uncomfortable with conversations about death and grief, like a lot of people are. Um, And so they might not want to approach the subject or they might think, oh, if I bring it up, it'll make things worse. The student looks like they're doing okay, so maybe I should just leave it alone. They'll come to me if they need help. 
Um, but I can say from my experience that it's the best, uh, the best course of action for any sort of um, adult at a school, whether it's a counselor or a teacher, to be that person that starts the conversation with the youth, um, to provide that space for them to talk. Um, and with that just comes a lot of misinformation around grief. Um, people thinking like, oh, after a few weeks, things will start to get better um, and not realizing that grief lasts a very long time. Um, it's not something that you get over or move on from. We talk about moving through grief and especially for youth, the kind of unique piece about losing somebody at that age is it changes as you grow. So if you lost somebody, say, even at like 10 years old, before your teenage years, what that loss for you means at 10 is going to look totally different than what that loss means at 13, at 16, at 19, at 77. Um, when you're older, you're still going to be grieving that person. You'll still grieve whoever that was, if it was your parent or your, your sibling or a friend or whoever. Um, the grief will just look different. But often it's easy to think, oh, if this loss was a little while ago, the grief doesn't have an impact, which isn't the case. So that's another kind of interesting piece at schools that I come across is um, youth that might have lost a parent uh, a couple of years ago, but their schooling and their life is still very much impacted by that. And a lot of people don't realize that it is grief even that much longer later. I know like you just said in the parts of it, like you said how we kind of expect them to seek for help because like they seem they might seem okay to us mm -hmm. but in their real life they might not be okay but like pretending to be okay mm -hmm. so like what methods would you recommend for someone attempting to like support a family or friend who has like suffered from a grief or like a loss mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the first kind of well the biggest piece i think that i would say is don't try to fix their pain um, it's really natural when we see somebody in pain if we see one of our friends in pain we want to take that pain away we want to lessen that pain in uh, however uh, we can but usually when we do that when we're trying to fix it like oh what can I do for you uh, let me do this let me do that uh, let's go do this because it's fun and it'll take your mind off it uh, often it has the opposite effect. Um, it doesn't lessen the pain because it doesn't open that space to talk about it. So the biggest thing is really to just be present with whatever is happening for your friend. Um, and I will note it is a little different if you yourself are grieving and you're trying to support somebody else grieving, like in a family, if you lose somebody in the family, um, you have all these different grievers um, versus if you are just supporting your friend who had a loss. Um, but the biggest thing is really just to show up and, and offer that space. Uh, we say that the three words, tell me more, are little words, but they have a huge impact. Um, showing up is also a big piece of supporting somebody who's grieving. So... 
when I say show up too, I mean like checking in often with that person. Um, grieving takes uh, an extraordinary amount of energy. So when somebody who is grieving receives a text message or whatever, it might be just a simple like, hey, how's it going? But the thought of having to reply to that is like a lot. <laughs> I'm sure we can all agree that there's been times in our lives where it's like it's a simple response, but it's just too much in, in that moment. Um, so <laughs> multiply that tenfold when you're grieving. So I would encourage you if you are supporting someone who's grieving to keep checking in. Don't take it personally if they take a long time to reply uh, or if they forget and they don't reply. Just keep letting them know that you're there. Um, let them feel their emotions. So if they're crying, let them cry. Uh, if they're angry, let them swear, punch or whatever they have to do. Uh, if they feel guilty, like just listen to what they have to say. Um, and also like as weird as it sounds, like you can act normal. Uh, they're your friend and they're going to want to laugh and joke. Um, they did lose somebody, but they also don't want to lose those other pieces of their life. Um, so continuing to talk about um, the like mundane or whatever's going on uh, is still a big, a big piece of that. Um, and also asking about their person. So usually when we are supporting someone who's grieving, we think, oh, if I talk about who they lost, they're going to get sad. So I can't bring it up. Um, and it's usually the opposite. It's like, if you lost your mom, if I ask questions about your mom, it's telling you, A, you can talk about what's going on. You can talk about your grief with me. And B, it's still keeping her memory alive. It's showing that like, hey, I still recognize this as somebody that was important to you, is important to you, and you want to talk about them. So that's another just a little piece I always like to tell people because it's something we don't do. We like to avoid the topic of who died when it means a lot to somebody who's grieving when you bring up that person and allow them to share. Yeah, definitely. Um, wow, like I know acting normal is something that I definitely, if I was faced with that situation with a friend who um, was so going through a loss, that was something I might not do because it sort of mm -hmm. feels like, and from the limited knowledge that we have about dealing with loss, it's sort of avoiding the topic is like the best way to go. Um, and mm -hmm. just being sensitive and very gentle with that person is sort of the approach that we think we should take. So it's really eye-opening to mm -hmm. hear that that actually might not be the most helpful thing when supporting like a friend that you really do care about. Yeah, mm -hmm. because I thought having a friend who has like lost or is going through grief I always kind of like try to kind of tell them to like don't think about it because I thought from what I thought was that the more you think about it the more deeper you go into that feeling and the more grief you experience but then mm -hmm. realizing that it's actually it actually helps to like talk about it really like Mm -hmm. I don't know. It kind of feels like I've like gained an another knowledge into someone like grief, like helping someone get out of like I don't know, get over the grief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even asking mm -hmm. about the person, um, that's definitely something that's never crossed my mind before. 
I know, for example, um, when I was a lot younger, my mom lost her father, and as like a okay. child, I didn't know how to act to that because I wasn't really close with my grandfather, and I honestly at that age didn't really know what was going on, and I remember mm-hmm. just being, I guess, as much as a child could be very careful around her, just not mentioning it because to me, it was that um, the situation had made her sad, so avoiding it would be sort of the best method or way to go. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And that's like, it's not, I was going to say it's not your fault, but I mean like that's a normal reaction and that's what a lot of people think about because nobody tells us the opposite, <laughs> yeah. right? And even just checking in with your friend who's grieving and being like, okay, we're at this moment, can I listen to whatever's going on with you right now? Do you want to talk about your grief? Do you want to talk about your mom, your brother? Um, or would the best thing be to just like go do something right and then that allows them to also know like oh okay I have a choice here so I can tell you like hey I just want to go watch a movie or (laughs) (laughs) pre-covid I want to go do whatever right I don't want to talk about it right now and then you as the person supporting can have confidence in that too knowing like hey I checked in and they told me what they wanted and I can do that so moving on to sort of away from supporting others and I guess about yourself and what you should do um sort of if anyone does end up experiencing a loss like what sort of I guess things would you make them aware of sort of steps that they should take in I guess setting boundaries when expressing their grief to other people or just methods to sort of begin just dealing with the grief in a healthy way that I like to do especially too when I'm sitting with somebody for the first time or the second time but kind of near that beginning of our support is letting them know what I mean when I even talk about grief so when I speak about grief when we talk about grief we're talking about all of the thoughts and emotions and feelings going on inside you so if I'm to look at you I can't see your grief there's nothing there that indicates you're grieving When I talk about mourning, uh, like (laughs) M-O-U-R-N-I-N-T, we're talking about anything that we do that brings the grief out. So expresses the grief, externalizes the grief. So whether that's talking about your person, whether that's crying, whether it's journaling, listening to music that will kind of evoke those emotions, that's mourning. So the belief is that to move through grief, uh, you have to mourn, you have to process it. Um, It's not the, uh, that typical idea that some people are very aware of, or they hear because it's popular, the five stages of grief. You move through five stages and then it's whatever it's supposed to be finished. Um, We don't talk about the stages at crossroads. Um, It's a very kind of old idea. So we understand that like anger and depression or those kind of pieces are all part of grief, but it's not a staged thing. It's not linear. It's yeah, not one direction. Um, And so when I am talking to somebody who is grieving, I let them know about that importance of mourning. And like you said, how are you facing the emotions? How are you getting your grief out? Um, The biggest thing is really like finding what works for you. 
So unfortunately, I can't give like a general statement. That's one of the most frustrating things to grief is like every grieving uh, person is different. Every relationship is different. So grief will look so unique. Um, But what I can tell you is it is like a balance between finding ways to express and process um, and finding ways to distract because we can't grieve 24-7. That's exhausting. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I just had a question about, you mentioned the five stages of grief, mm-hmm. and I know I've definitely seen that before and sort of, uh, not blindly believed it, believed it, but definitely thought it was really reliable. So mm-hmm. would you say that um, that's a very outdated sort of look? And if so, how does grief really look like? Sort of, is it more like a roller coaster, up and downs, or... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know I should have probably even touched on this in the very first question about what I do, but uh, <laughs> <It's all right. laughs> we're here now. Um, yeah, so the five stages of grief was originally launched by a woman named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Um, she developed it also with a man named David Kessler. And when Kubler-Ross though, first created the five stages of grief, they were more in line with the stages somebody encounters when they've experienced um, or when they've received a life limiting illness, when they're told like, you are going to die, you have a terminal illness. So it was supposed to represent the stages that someone goes through coming to terms with the end of their own life. Um, It kind of got adopted and adapted to grief. And it became this idea of like, we enter into these five stages while we grieve ending with acceptance. Okay, you accept your grief or you accept the death and everything is moving on now. Um, Since then, David Kessler has actually, even last year, I think it was, he just put out a new book and it talks about a sixth stage, which is finding meaning. Um, And he goes back and says, those five stages are not supposed to be prescriptive. They're just descriptive. So they're, um, they're stages that some people will encounter, but not necessarily in order, um, maybe not at all. Um, and there is no end to grief. Um, when you ask, like, how does grief actually look? Uh, we like to talk about it more as in waves. So initially, when you first have a loss, it's more like a tsunami. It's like something that just takes you off your feet and knocks you down. And it's so hard to even try to get back up. Um, All you can do maybe at that, those beginning stages and those first months or weeks is just try to keep your head above water and breathe because it's just relentless. Um, But the idea is as we mourn, and as we move through our grief, those waves will hit a little less harder. And there will be more time between the waves. So it might knock you down, but you'll have time to stand up and move forward a little bit more before the next one comes at you. I don't know, like, becoming a wave, like, really kind of hit me because, like, waves are always there, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like, there, and then it's not there, and then it'll come back again. Mm-hmm. And then it's it feels like it's gone, but then it'll come back again, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like, that thing where it's, like, you know it's going to come back, but you don't know when it's going to hit you. Mm-hmm. So, like, knowing that grief is something like that really makes me feel like even if when I feel like that I'm over, someone's lost, and, like, I think I'm totally fine now, that it can hit me any time. Mm-hmm. Like, a grief that I experienced when I was, like, a child can hit me when I grow older. Like, even when I'm, like, 50, it can still hit me back. Mm-hmm. And, like, because it won't go away, right? 
Mm-hmm. And that's a really good point too, is people get afraid of that because they think, oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. On a Casual conversation. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> um, but they, it's like that alarms people because they think if I feel like that, if it hits me again, am I back to square one? And that's not the truth. Um, it, but it's like when it does hit, it's going to feel really really hard. Um, and that's exactly it. You experience a loss at whatever age. Like I go back to that example, you experience a loss of a parent at 10, all of a sudden you're 17 and about to graduate and a huge wave comes and hits you because it's that realization, mom's not going to be at my graduation. And then maybe you're okay for a little while. And then all of a sudden you go to, you get your acceptance letter for a university and it's a wave that they're not there to be with you and experience that moment. Um, and that's exactly, they come out of nowhere, um, but that's that's not uncommon. And that's kind of the normal, even though I hate that term, uh, way of grief. All right. Um, so our next questions will have a little bit to do with um, how to sort of utilize more methods and how grief sort of affects us in different ways. So check in next episode to hear more.